Welcome back to Weapon of Choice podcast. Uh, I'm Tommy Franklin. I'm Andrew Benda. And we are, um, we're going to get into the uh, this week's episode and interview. Uh, we are, you know, everyone out there, I, I'm sure is feeling something coming off yet another tragedy. Um, and I uh, just want to say it's it's heavy. It's heavy over here for sure. And um, we, um, I don't really want to say much or have an opinion. This, you know, I'm not here for that in this particular moment because I have a lot of thoughts. But this, I feel like, isn't the time on this show. And um, we just know that um, these artists that we interview and that we'll continue to interview, and the essence of our show, Weapon of Choice podcast, is um, kind of aimed at. Um, giving people you know, a good look into other ways and outlets through the arts to still be thinking about all the issues that matter in the world. So, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, if you're listening to this and uh, you're like so many of us out there that are hurting today, I, I hope you're finding some art that is healing. That's my... Yeah, I definitely um, listen to a particular kind of music particular singers uh that's that stuff really helps me like a like uh you know michael kiwanuka a uh, charles bradley you know who we lost and uh you know so maybe you're taking in uh some music or some art that's helping you uh not be too angry and hopefully also not becoming too numb to this because that is something that's real mm-hmm. um something very real and it's uh we don't want to become numb for many reasons even like the fact that it was a country festival where it's not as like you know it's not a queer nightclub event like in orlando if we're if we identify with those communities heavily we just got to be known that it's about humans and um do our best not to become numb because it's hard to imagine things are going to change anytime soon as far as uh the lawmakers see it. So, yeah. Um, what do we got today, Andrew? We got our interview with Two for One. Uh, we sat down with him two weeks ago. We're really excited. Uh, he talks about Standing Rock and a, and a ton more. So, uh, should we roll it? Let's roll it. Enjoy, everybody. My name is Two for One uh, from South Minneapolis. Uh, I also go by the name of Rafael Gonzalez, and I am a hip-hop artist and activist. You know, I met you at Renee's birthday party last October. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and, and then ever since then, I'm like, I'm like, th- then you disappeared. Like, did, it, did aliens abduct you? Where the heck you been? <laughs> no, I went out of town, um, even though I still kind of had my place here in, in Seward. I, I live in Seward. I grew up. I grew up in Minneapolis on the South Side, uh, between like the Seward, Longfellow, Phillips neighborhood, kind of in between um, all three areas. Um, pretty much my my whole life, um, and yeah, I mean, I was just uh, I went out of town, and this that was kind of like the first time I lit pretty much lived like out of town, even though I like still had my place here, and I kind of subletted my room out and whatnot. Um, but I went to, I went out to Standing Rock. Um, I went out to the camps, uh, really the camps sitting north of, of the Standing Rock reservation across the Cannonball River. Um, and I was there for four months, uh, fighting 
the Dakota Access Pipeline through um, nonviolent direct action, uh, allegedly. Um, and after that, after we were forcibly removed off of the camps by uh, law enforcement um, in cooperation with the Bureau of Indian Affairs and, and Standing Rock, we were kind of like pushed off. And we had to, we got evicted from, from our home, basically. Um, and then after that, uh, I went on tour for three months. I, I toured the States and Canada, parts of Canada, um, and also Europe. And I went all over Europe. And then I came back and I did one more short uh, tour with um, Winona LaDuke and, and um, Nako um and folks from honor the earth and that was the love water not oil tour and we toured um pretty much like anishinaabe territory we went up and we were in um well we we started off in like madison and there were some we went to madison and madeline island and we did uh, Duluth, um, so it was like a short stint of of different shows. But there were riders. There was, there were like some indigenous riders who were riding horseback um, in protest of the um, the Line Three, which is the N Enbridge uh, pipeline project. So basically, the same corporation that that um, that is involved with the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, they're trying to build line three which is going to move tar sands from alberta canada to um across basically across minnesota through like wisconsin um and it threatens basically it threatens the wild rice um crops mm -hmm. of the anishinaabe people up north and then it also um threatens the the wetlands because if there's i mean if you have a pipeline going through the wetlands you know minnesota obviously is the the, the land of over ten thousand lakes a lot of these lakes are connected to each other under underground underwater you know what i mean so there's like it's almost like they're cave systems or whatever with water right. you know so if one of those bursts that can pollute you know a ton of other lakes in the process and we all know that pipelines wear down we all know that pipelines wear down and they fucking break you know and and it happens all over the place you know um the dakota access pipeline during testing it already spilled like i think two or three times there are already small spills you know so it's only a matter of time um and they already built the line three and that line three um you know, it, it's it's old. It's it's not operational, and Enbridge has no plan to clean it up at all. So they're going to leave this pipeline in the ground. So ordinary people have to organize to clean up a mess that a multi-billion-dollar corporation left behind, and they are attempting to build a new line three to to move oil and do the exact same thing and continue on with this perpetual cycle this is uh this threatens uh, the treaty territory of the anishinaabe people um so you know there's there's the constitution there although our tre treaties have never really been you know they're not honored 
you know what I mean? But it's still written in law by the U.S. Constitution that, that you know, we have rights as indigenous people. The Anishinaabe people have rights to their treaty. Um, so for for them to do that, they're definitely breaking um, the law. They're, they're in direct violation of the United States Constitution. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's pretty obvious. And then not only that, I mean, that's like, for us, that's the worst as indigenous people is because this directly affects us. But also, like, the people that live in Minnesota, too. You know what I mean? Like, how many different people enjoy uh, uh, Minnesota and, and all it has to offer? The the lakes, the rivers, the outdoors, nature, you know, wild rice. You want some fish, get some walleye, it's super good. You know, those... You know, all of that is being threatened, and any Minnesotan should be concerned with this, too. This fight is is also about the people who live here as well, you know. Um, so I've been, you know, I've, you know, I've been kind of busy doing that. We did, you know, we did some things uh, up there I can't really speak to, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, just kind of continuing on with the fight, Um and we go back to Standing Rock and just talk about Standing Rock. I mean, I had I had a I had a whole like experience. There was like an intuitive feeling and a spiritual experience that I had with going out to to Standing Rock to fight the pipeline. You know what I mean? Like as a as a you know I'm I'm an enrolled member of of the Spirit Lake uh, Sioux Tribe, um, and that's that's I mean that's a reservation. A reservation is essentially like okay, there's a system that says that you have a number on you and you are a part of this, this system. So they, uh, the system acknowledges that you're indigenous or whatever, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, a, a reservation is essentially a prison of war camp. You know what I mean? That's where indigenous people were, were sent to after they got kicked off of their lands. You know what I mean? They sent them into different parts, really remote areas of, of, you know, Turtle Island, um, so we could we could just sit there and and kind of remain idle and that's and that's basically it so but really I'm Dakota I'm I'm Mittawakanton Dakota um North and South Dakota up in Sioux Valley in 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 Canada there you know there's all these different parts of of Turtle Island that our people were were pushed off and you know pushed onto we were pushed onto these reservations really my people are from Minneapolis. My people are from Minnesota. Like this is our territory. This is Dakota territory, the Mittawakanton people. And, and, you know, we're descendants of the Dakota 38 who fought the United States government. You know what I mean? Like those are, those are our ancestors, you know? So this, this, you know, I know there's so many people who, who have this connection to Minnesota and they love Minnesota so much. And a lot of people come in and they, and they come from different parts of the states or wherever and they come in and they move here and they love it. Well, for us, this is like this is our lineage. You know what I mean? This is like where we're where we're from, who we are. Our ancestors were here. You know what I mean? Like this is my motherland. You know what I mean? Um, which is a beautiful thing. It's I feel like I'm really lucky to have that, you know, like just to have, uh, just to be able to be in my motherland. And although we fought persecution, we fought uh, assimilation, we fought through the genocide, like my ancestors survived the genocide of a hundred million indigenous people. Like my ancestors survived that for, for me to be here today, you know, like for, for, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy to think about. You know, like this, this land is so 
I'm so connected to this land in so many different ways. Um, so there was a spiritual, there was a spiritual calling, you know what I mean? Us being connected to this land is not only, yeah, we live here and we, we like being here, you know, this, this calling for us was, you know, we're connected to the land and, and spiritually something is pulling us there and we knew we had to go and fight. Standing Rock sits on, uh, uh, Standing Rock and, and the land that goes, you know, the land that the pipeline runs through is 1851 Fort Laramie Treaty Territory. This treaty is guaranteed to the Dakota, Lakota, and Nakota people of the Ocheti Shakoan. And the the pipeline actually doesn't even run through Standing Rock. It runs through treaty territory, so the the this own like the ownership of the land goes beyond Standing Rock. This is Ocheti Shakoan land. This land is is the you know Dakota Lakota Nakota people, and we have rights to this land according to the United States Constitution. We have rights to this land. The original pipeline was set to um, the original pipeline was planned to go through Bismarck, North Dakota. And, um, the same threat, uh, was happening. It was the same threat to their water. I read about this, yeah. The same threat, right? So. And it got moved. They move the pipeline closer to Standing Rock and through indigenous land. And they didn't have to take a rubber bullet. They didn't have to taste tear gas they didn't have to deal with any uh police repression and violence they simply said no we don't want it and they they voted as a community they voted we don't want this pipeline so they moved the pipeline you know what i mean so for me it was like blatant um environmental racism blatant racism institutionalized racism racism all up and down and we're like holy fuck like bismarck and north dakota what they're doing to the indigenous people is like we're seeing a, a replay of like the civil rights movement. You know what I mean? You're seeing what's happening. Uh, uh, you're seeing what's happening to to African American folks who are getting hosed down. They brought the water cannons out and they were hosing people down in sub freezing weather. That is a, that is a threat to life right there. That's attempted murder. If you really if you really break it down, people don't want to say that. I'll say it, that's attempted murder because that that's life-threatening, you know what I mean? So we dealt with the police repression, we dealt with the violence, you know what I mean? And we were there for, for you know, I was there for four months and, you know, I, I went on the front line and I wasn't there the whole time, but I did I did get involved in, the, in, you know, in some actions, you know, allegedly. And, you know, it was all there. I mean, we knew we knew that we could potentially die going going into it because they were threatening our lives. We, you know, we knew that something could happen to us, and some and a lot did happen. I mean, you saw like there there was one there was one lady who lost her eye, who got shot in the eye, lost her eye. There was another lady uh, who got her uh, Sophia, who got her arm pretty much blown off. It was like completely open. You know what I mean? Um, I got shot. I got shot in the leg, and I got I still have this. You see? Yeah. 
I have severe se- severe tissue damage that's done to my leg from getting shot with one of those full size bean bags, you know. And I think they got like little metal, metal pellets in them or some kind of little pellets on the inside, and they they shot me with a shotgun, you know. Um, so so the violence is like you see exactly what um, the police are there for. They're there to protect the corporate interests. You know what I'm saying? They're there to protect uh, uh, their money. It's all about. Didn't they have, uh, I heard something about how, like, former Navy SEALs were contracted to go in and do, like, covert shit on, on y'all actions. You well, know? the yeah, totally. I mean, that whole, so there were, there were different camps. Some camps were within the big camp. The big main camp was there. The first camp that started off was on the reservation side. It was on the Standing Rock side, and that was started by LaDonna Allard. And um, that camp was called the Sacred Stone Camp, and that sits on her and her family's land. Sacred Stone Camp, and then the camp went over the ri- across the river, the Cannonball River, and that ended up being like the main big camp. And then you had camps within that camp, and some camps had really tight security culture, meaning that like you couldn't just go into that camp. You had to have a vouch. You had to have somebody that vouched for you, and there was definitely like screenings done to make sure that whoever went in to the camp that wanted to camp was wasn't an infiltrator someone who wasn't uh uh you know who didn't have bad intentions who wanted to hurt the movement and that's why these camps um executed successful actions that halted the pipeline for months those were the camps like the 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 big main camp where people were having a fucking powwow and like singing and shit that shit was heavily infiltrated it was it was like there were there were cops all over the place because the security oh they called themselves a kijita or whatever like the security were full of shit and i i'll just say this straight up like the security there was you know i don't want to go back too far in a time but just to say like the the security when you entered the when you entered the camp, they would take a flashlight and kind of look in your car and they, they would ask you, do you have anything dishonorable in your, in your vehicle? And all you had to say was no. And then they would let you in. So of course there were, of course there were cops all up in that camp. There were, there were, there were informants and there were cops and there were uh, private security mercenaries who infiltrated that camp. And one security firm in particular that was actually re- relatively recently put on blast uh, um and they go by the name of tiger swan and tiger tiger swan is like if you read uh so the intercept re- uh leaked yeah they leaked those documents and all of our like when we were at camp you know the paranoia didn't come from anywhere that paranoia came from like actual shit that was really happening and we knew it was happening and it was all confirmed a lot of that stuff was confirmed when the intercept released those documents about tiger swan and how they came in and they were using all these uh uh they were lab- they were labeling us like uh uh, uh religious extremists they were calling us, uh, I think they, 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 what did they say? They said religious extremists and compared us to like uh, a jihad, something like that. You know what I mean? I'm like, we, we knew all along they were watching us. We had drones flying over and we're like, those ain't our drones. Those aren't our drones. Those planes are those uh, 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 helicopters that we would hear every morning. Of course, th- those weren't for us. Those were to keep an eye on us. So they were definitely heavily, uh, heavily monitoring the camp, you know. So 
that was something we had to deal with while we were at camp. And then eventually, you know, like a lot of other camps, you know, they they, they left. Um, and it was hard. It was hard as fuck during the during the winter time. You know, I was living in a teepee and, and there were times where it was like, you know, negative 40 degree wind chill. And like those days were a gift and a curse when it was that cold living in a teepee because we knew they're not they weren't going to be doing no construction on those days because it was too cold and there was too much snow for 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 them to continue to work on security uh, excuse me uh, on a uh, construction so we knew we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to go out there because there was no construction on those days where there was severe weather. So that was cool. But our main goal was like, all right, we need to survive in the in the cold. You know, our like the there would be like there. I remember it was like two weeks straight during the coldest part of the winter where it was like the main goal for the day was to get wood, keep the fire going, get food, and that's it. And that's but those other folks just got to vote, and the, and those other folks got to vote, yeah, right. In a predominantly white community, and you see, you see, you see that racism. You know what I mean? You see that it's it's super blatant. You know, um, my weapons of choice are obviously like before Standing Rock. I was doing I was doing hip hop full time, and uh, I knew, like I said, because of that spiritual calling, I knew that like my my weapon is is me me having the strength from from my ancestors and me having having this like inner warrior that needed to be unleashed is like was like my calling so my weapon of choice I put my body on the front line you know what I mean that's one of my weapons but hip-hop I mean I was birthed out of the movement you know like I was born I'm 31 now I was born in and 80 at at the end of 85 in December so I was probably hearing like, I was probably hearing bass, you know, bass in my mom's womb, you know what I mean, of of, of hip hop music, you know what I mean, those sound vibrations and whatnot, you know. Um, so for me, hip hop is hip hop has always been around, and um, I knew that growing up, I came out of like, you know, yo the movement, which was like a nonprofit organization that helped young. Um, artists get into like hip hop and do shows and you know when I was rocking with Illuminous 3 which is my rap group like we we did a lot of shows and they were almost like our booking agent for a little while they would like book us for a lot of different gigs and you know um, I knew the importance of having uh, like a grassroots um, community uh, like organization there that really wanted to help the youth out. I understood because I was a youth. I needed um, youth workers to mentor me and, and help me come up. And that's what happened. I played a ton of different shows and I've been able to do a ton of traveling um, through hip hop. And then also once I, you know, once I became an adult, I was like, well, man, I, I, I need to give back. I, I know that like hip hop can be used in a way um, you know, to create change, it could be used as a vehicle for for creating the social change that we want to see in our communities because that's what it, that's what it's all about. That's the roots of hip hop. Hip hop is so grassroots. Yeah. So, um, I started uh, uh, doing youth work at uh, the White House Community Center, 
when I was like 22 and I worked there for like six and a half years and much of my programming was hip hop programming. You know what I mean? I was doing, you know, writing, writing classes and, and, um, writing classes in like hip hop audio production and music in general, just like music classes. Cause I also play like traditional Puerto Rican music. Um, but for me, it's a language that the youth really understands and really speaks. So I feel like using hip hop as my weapon, um, is, is really useful in, in, you know, getting the youth involved, getting the youth to, to use their voice and, and understand that they are powerful. They, they can do, they can do all of this, you know, cause they're, and this goes back to like, this goes back to like our beliefs as indigenous people too. We believe in the seven, the seven generations. We believe, we think about the seven generations ahead of us. We believe, and we, th- we always have in mind how our, you know, grandchildren's grandchildren, like the, 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 the coming generations, how are they going to, how are they going to survive and, and live on this earth? And can we set up an environment for them to live in harmony? You know what I'm saying? To me, I've been doing that this whole time. I learned that very well at Standing Rock, but at the same time, I was already doing that through through hip hop and through through youth work. Right, and you know, with the hip hop, you know, Standing Rock, there was there was everything that was prevalent. Among other things, was the violence, the danger. People, perhaps, you know, not perhaps, but did feel defenseless. Um, and sometimes, obviously, many times throughout a lot of it was, you know, people's safety were at stake because the oppressors, however you want to, however we want to categorize them from the, you know, secret militias to the, they all had real weapons and they literally attacked when the, so when the police and the oppressors are able to so readily employ their weaponry with little to no consequences, how important as a nonviolent activist is it for you to weaponize your art to do battle with so many of these injustices? Um, I mean, as far as Standing Rock goes, like the main, one of the main messages was like from the elders was we need to keep this movement nonviolent. And that's what we did. Other indigenous, indigenous movements were not, were not, um, as peaceful. And I think there's a time and place for both. I don't necessarily think that, that, uh, uh, all movements need to be peaceful, you know what I'm saying? Like the Cuban Revolution wouldn't have happened without violence, and it happened. And although people have their critique about how Cuba is operated, Cuba still to this day works um, better for the interests of the people. You know what I mean? There's, you know, everyone's fed. There's no homelessness, and you have people who who everybody gets a, a, a has a right to an education and healthcare. The fundamental shit that we all really need is covered. Now, if you think about before the revolution, you know, during Batista and his regime, there was extreme poverty. People were broke and poor. Um, people were, were 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 starving. People, you know, and it was mostly it was mostly all minority communities. You know what I mean? Black Cuban communities. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So like, um, something needed to change, and what happened was, you know there was an armed resistance that happened and it changed, you know, Cuba and they had their revolution. You know what I mean? And there are many people who are thankful, many Cubans. And I can't, I can't completely speak to that. Obviously I'm not from Cuba and I'm, I'm not Cuban, but that's just an example. Like sometimes an armed resistance is what's necessary. You know, um, 
For me, on the other hand, you know, right now, the strategy is peaceful, uh, nonviolent, direct action. And I'm doing this, you know, because that's how it's always been, especially if I'm going to if I'm trying to connect with youth and use hip hop as a weapon and and connect with the youth. It needs it needs to be on a peaceful front. And that's and that's what like. You know that's what I'm all about, um, and it's strategic, and it and it can work, and there is there is a place for it. You know, um, like we went after we got kicked off, kicked out of camp. You know, like I said, I toured the states, and we were doing at that time we were doing mostly panel discussions and performances, and then I went to Europe, and then also we we traveled all over Europe to promote our divestment campaign. So now we're trying to get more strategic with how we do it. So obviously. Uh, uh, nonviolent direct action is is the way. How many different ways can we strategize with that? How do we strategize with that? So when we went to Europe, we're like, all right, there's already the divestment campaign that we've been kind of like like promoting. Um, I was I was really learning about it because I spent mo- more of my time like at the camp, you know. But I'm like, how do I, where do I go? You know what I mean? So many of us, like, we left the camp and, like, where do we go? What do we do? You know what I'm saying? Like, our whole, like, our purpose was to stop a fight, a, a pipeline, you know, and w- what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? So we went on tour and I was like, all right, cool. Well, let's, let's do some divestment. Let's learn what that's about. Currently, there's, there's a ton of different banks that are invested in pipeline projects such as the Dakota Access Pipeline. So for me, um, one way we can target the banks is to publicly shame them first and to get to convince ordinary people to take their money out of these banks because these banks, you know, they don't have any power without the people who put money into their, into their accounts. You know what I mean? So anybody who's an account holder at Wells Fargo or U.S. Bank or whatever, you know what I mean? We're encouraging and demanding that people take their money out. And then we're also demanding that the banks divest their money from pipeline projects such as the, the Dakota Access Pipeline. That's like the, the the gist of it. That's like the main goal. Um, we went out to Europe because there are European banks that are also funding the pipeline. We want people to know. We went out to Europe and we wanted to let them know that if you have an account with these, with these banks, remove it. And then we were, you know, we're we're targeting these banks and saying that hey, y'all are supporting the environmental genocide, the genocide, the desecration of our our, our lands. You know what I mean? You're supporting all of that by putting your money millions of dollars and sometimes billions into these projects you know what I mean so for me like we need to put pressure on we have to put pressure on them because it's not only the desecration of our lands it's not only all of the things all of the above that I just mentioned but it's also you know people are like how do we take ownership of of a of a cause that doesn't affect us it's an indigenous it's an indigenous thing, you know, this, you know, like, like we're outsiders and we want to be able to like fight, but we don't know how. And it's like, no, this is everyone's fight. It's an indigenous led movement. Yes. But it is everybody's fight in the sense that, okay, these projects are trying to do one main thing, extract resources from within the ground, 
pull them out, sell them, burn them, right? What happens when they burn them is that that shit contributes to um, CO2 emissions and that contributes to climate change. Climate change that we're seeing in places like Florida. Do do y'all have people in Florida at all? I got people in Florida. So the fact that uh, uh, the Dakota Access Pipeline was built, although it's an indigenous-led movement, and you may or may not be, are you indigenous? Okay, so um, it's an indigenous-led movement, but these these issues impact your people because you got people in Florida, and Florida's going through hell right now. You know what I'm saying? People in, in Houston, people in, in Puerto Rico, my, my family is suffering. My family has nothing to do with the Dakota Access Pipeline. I'm, I come from a mixed heritage. My, fam, my family in Puerto Rico right now, they're going through a horrible hurricane right now this is the second hurricane that's hit you know what i'm saying so this affects the whole world once the sea levels start to rise that's going to affect the people in venice so when we're out in in europe and we're out in italy we're telling the people look this issue is also your issue so y'all should take ownership of it too get involved you know what I mean? Get involved with it because it, it it affects everyone. It's not just our, like, we hold our land sacred. We know what's sacred to us. We know that, you know, our fight is 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 here and it's, it's with these pipelines because they're directly attacking us. They know that, the corporations know that they want to put this in areas that directly impact people who are forgotten about and that's indigenous communities. You know what I mean? You know, so, you know, so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we're out there for. And, and it's, it's, it's all, it's all nonviolent at this point. It's all nonviolent and that's, and that's the focus. So divestment, um, and just education and spreading awareness and letting people know that this issue is theirs too, you know? So that's, that's been my strategy and I'm going to continue on with that. Um, just, you had kind of talked about after getting back from uh, Standing Rock. Can you can you say a little bit more about like what that adjustment period was like? Yeah, totally. Uh so it was it was kind of a hard process more or less because we're getting pushed off of land that we have rights to for one. You know, there was a lot of uh issues internal issues that we had to deal with with the Standing Rock tribal government too cuz you know they they don't have the best leadership and there's a lot of bullshit that we had to deal with internally um and then just leaving you know so leaving the camp we went on tour pretty much right away you know I went to ceremony you know what I mean I needed a lot of healing and it was hard it was heartbreaking obviously because we felt so defeated you know the whole world was watching and everybody was like yeah we're gonna be victorious everybody was certain you know there were so many people who were like, we're riding for this, you know, we're gonna fucking stop this pipeline, and sure enough, after Trump gets, you know, gets inaugurated, he makes an executive order to push the pipeline through, you know, um, which uh, relatively recently, federal court ruled it as an illegal construction like the pipeline was an illegally built pipeline and so now the federal courts recognize that so donald trump supported an illegal operation that went down 
the North Dakota police said that they didn't even know Tiger Swan, that security firm, they didn't even know that that they were operating security in the state of North Dakota without a permit and they got denied permitting to to operate security. You know what I mean? Um so there's I mean there's so many different layers to it. So all of that we were reflecting on all of that when we were on tour. So we I went on this tour called the Wake Up the World Tour and that was about like us telling our narrative. That that's that's a part of the healing process is for me to be able to sit down with people and talk about it and tell our side of the story because there was so much media that covered and there was so much like negative propaganda. There was uh, uh, so many different sides to the story and people speaking on it um, who weren't there. So, you know, after December 4th, um, December 4th is when the Army Corps of Engineers denied permitting for Dakota Access to drill under the Missouri River, which is the drinking water supply of of 17 million people, including the Standing Rock Reservation. Um, when when they, on December 4th, everybody took that like, not everybody, but a lot of people took that like a victory, and Standing Rock told everybody to go home, and we're like, no, we're not going home. We're, we're going to stay here. We're going to continue on with this fight, you know. Um, um, so, so we stayed, and, you know, when when we stayed, you know, it was cool. It was fine because a lot of a lot of the people that just showed up and they just wanted to be like uh what we would call like weekend warriors or people that just wanted to show up and just kind of hang out, they kind of dipped. And that that was cool in a way. But then also at the same time um when the big um when the big when the when the majority of the people left the camp, the most of the media also left too. And it was like there was not nearly as much coverage about the pipeline as there was. And and to me it's like it's like the Army Corps engineers denying permitting for for Dakota access to drill, all that meant was they want an environmental impact statement from uh, from Dakota Access. You know, to survey the land and see how and see what happens. Um, well, what's the environmental impact, right? Trump, Trump said, fuck that. And he pushed it through anyway, right? We knew that was going to happen. And that's why we stayed. That's the whole reason why we stayed is because we knew that was going to happen. You know what I mean? We're like, Trump is about to be president, right? He is directly, um, invested with his own dollars in the Dakota Access Pipeline. What makes like... What makes you think that this is a victory? That December 4th shit, that wasn't a victory, and we knew it. So we stayed. The media dipped. So we wanted to to tell our narrative. We wanted to be able to tell our side of the story as people who who stayed to the very end, who stayed throughout the winter time. And so we did. And so and so the Wake Up the World tour was us. world took a nap, and so you had to wake them back up. <laughs> we had to wake them up. We had to be like, look, this is what was going on. And these are the things that you didn't see when, you know, when the world, you know, when the world was watching, there were also so much, there was also so much that, that people didn't see that we saw day to day living at the camp. And we wanted to talk about it, to talk about our experiences. And for us, you know, that was a healthy way for us to, to speak and adapt. You know what I mean? 
At the same time, there was a depression that came along with transitioning and leaving the camp. Like I said, it was heartbreaking. It was hard. It was like, holy fuck. Like, I, like, literally, there were people who, who, like, got evicted from their homes, who, who dropped out of college, who, uh, uh, ended up having to get a divorce, who, who left so they could fight this pipeline. You know what I mean? So we were dealing with the aftermath of all of that. We, I put my career on the side. I was, I was performing and I was, I was doing music full time before I went to Standing Rock. You know what I mean? I had released two albums and I was doing music full time. So leaving, it was like, it was just the depression, you know? And, and we started, I started a party. I started to kick it, you know what I mean? And that's when like more of the drinking and kind of like eating, I gained a bunch of weight, you know what I mean? So it was like, it was hard to heal, even though we were talking through it and we were doing a lot of like, uh, you know, we went to ceremony and we also did a lot of, uh, 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 panel discussions and just kind of processing with a lot of different people. It was still really hard to, to, to make that happen, especially on the road, because there's not, it's not the most, it's not the healthiest environment to live on the road right away. You know what I mean? So we were on the road and it was like gas station food and, you know, doing the shows, the show. And now the shows really helped like to be able to get back on stage to me, like, like hip hop is that weapon, right? Hip hop is the weapon of freedom. Hip hop for me was like, was like that safe space for me to just be exactly who I am so we performed and there was so many dope shows on this tour it was great we started off in Canada and then we went you know we went the west coast southwest we went to the east coast um we did a we did a Minneapolis stop and and it, it was really dope man I mean like like to be able to get on stage and so many different people that support you and make so many different uh meet so many different people and make a lot of new fans. That was another part that was that was really healing for me. Um, and then also going going to Europe, you know, just to live out a dream that you know that I've always dreamt about. You know, I never thought I'd end up at a place like you know. I never thought I would even look at the the Eiffel Tower. I always thought that's some shit I'd see on a postcard. You know what I mean? And I'm sitting right in front of it. I'm like natives in Paris. I'm like, here we go. You know what I mean? I'm right here. I'm like, holy fuck, this is happening. But it's not. And it wasn't. It wasn't just that. A lot of the healing came from. You know, doing more activism and continuing on the fight knowing that I have a, a purpose beyond just being at camp and fighting at camp. You know what I mean? So we're, we're out here shutting down banks. Credit Suisse, which is a Swiss bank, is invested $1.4 billion in the Dakota Access Pipeline. You think I'm going to go to Switzerland and not show up to that bank? Okay. Nah, fuck that. I'm going to the bank, right? So we went to the bank. We shut that down. Um, we met with some other people. They don't really give a shit, even though they're they're you know they're invested. But still, we made it. Like I, this tour that we were on, the last European tour that we were on, the whole it was like the whole European continent knew. It was all over the t. It was all over television. It was all over the blogs. It was all over the newspapers. You know, and we spread the message like wildfire while we we're in Europe. And it was it, it was cool because I still felt like I was active. You know what I mean? I met with the mayor of Geneva, Switzerland. He wrote a letter of uh, of solidarity. I met the, with the mayor of Naples, Italy. Um, I went I went man. It was it was great. I went uh, we we did a whole presentation at the United Nations and spoke at the United Nations. I mean, that was like that was 
something like going into going into the fight fighting a pipeline i never thought in a million years i would end up at the united nations speaking you know what i mean like it's incredible it, it was it was amazing so a lot of my transitioning and my healing came from still being able to continue on and fight and also still be able to do hip-hop so it was like hip-hop and activism i finally found a very comfortable uh intersection between hip-hop and activism they both work hand in hand now and this is my life and honestly this is all i really want to do you know what i mean i get i you wake get, up in the morning i wake up morning? i mean you saw my, my studio in my room i wake up in the morning i've been making a lot of beats lately you know that's and and the, the most healing i would say like that, that there was a lot of healing with that but like i said i was i was getting into a lot of uh unhealthy habits not eating uh, uh super healthy uh drinking a lot but coming back to minneapolis really helped me after the tours uh coming back to minneapolis really helped me get you know um grounded again and and being able to just like wake up make a smoothie go play basketball at the park get my exercise in be able to wake up and feel like you know that you know just that level of of, of ground you know j- of just being grounded back home again you know, it's really nice. So I finally feel like like I've reached that place. I've yeah. had a lot of time to reflect. I'm not really going out as much, you know. Get that good garden food back here in Minneapolis. Go from gas stations to goji berries. <laughs> What's you know, the word? What kind of, <laughs> you know. It, it was, it, it's been good, you know, and I, I think I'm finally getting back to a healthier place, you know, because that's how I normally am. Like when I'm at home, when I'm here, I'm eating mostly a plant-based diet. I'm drinking tons of water and tons of tea. I'm not really drinking and I'm focusing on the music and, and my artistry. You know, that's that's normally what, what I do, you know. So to come back to that um, and and continue that feels really good. I'm back in my home. We live in a pretty communal space here. Nice, big, beautiful house with roommates you know, I'm I'm de- I've definitely really really enjoyed the summer, and I I made it a point to stay here during the summer. I, you know, I took a couple trips. I had to go to I had to go to a wedding and whatnot, but honestly, I just wanted to be in Minneapolis for the summer, and I, I I've been able to do that. You know, if you look, you just said like you found this great like them coming together so well. As an artist, what is that exploration and like living into that been like? I think my the shifting of my of my my music was all happening throughout the process even yeah. that that process happened like i said it was it was something spiritual you know so um if you listen to my last two records you could you can hear that shift if you listen to my last three two for one records especially if you listen to the first two for one record i released and then you listen to the send off and you listen to the homecoming there's like a complete like change up you know and that um spiritual awakening was happening was already beginning and so i released those two records and if you really listen closely you can hear that that i'm tapping the bubbling up yeah i was tapping into my spiritual side already so that was already culminating that was already uh, growing that process was already happening and then i went to you know i went and fought the pipeline and now it's like all right cool like when i make art i want my art to reflect um my life and, and and what i'm going through and and that's how i i choose to make my art other people make art in different ways you know and that's fine 
art is art, you know, whatever your medium is, like, do your thing, you know, um, but for me, it's like, I want it to reflect, um, you know, I want it to reflect the sacredness that I'm protecting, I want it to reflect, uh, you know, the, the, the experiences that I've had, you know, throughout, and then just my own interpersonal, like, connections that I have with people, all of that, I want that to, to be there, so right now, like, I've, I've written a few songs and, you know, that side is definitely there. I'm thinking about how I want to change my, like, like I said, my music is going to grow with me. So wherever I'm at in life, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see an album of, you know what I mean? So wherever I'm at, that's what, that's what it's going to be. Now, sonically, see, I've been producing a lot and making beats a lot. And sonically, I'm trying to kind of figure out where exactly I want to, to go and I've been singing a, I've been singing a lot I've been singing a lot of traditional songs um I sing bomba too because I'm I'm also from a Puerto Rican background so I sing bomba and I feel like I feel like it's about time I start to to kind of blend the two so I've been wanting to do that I got a drum in my room now and I've been recording so what I want to do is like incorporate a lot of the a lot of those those rhythms um into into my music and that's kind of where I'm I'm headed as far as like music shifting and 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 how how my music is is changing you know you get excited like is it fun to be thinking about that it's fun it's terrifying and it's fun at the same time because <laughs> you don't know what it's going to be you don't know what it's going to sound like you know um but I'm definitely ready for you know the world I you know I didn't get a chance to really do a ton of shows and showcase my last two albums because I I ended up going to camp and I was not, I didn't plan on going to camp and fighting a pipeline. You know what I mean? So after going on these tours, um, the, the wake up the world tour, and then we went on this last Europe tour and then going on the second Europe tour this year, you know what I mean? After that, I think it's like, it's time for me to, to, to come with some new material. And I'm really excited about that. And since, since Europe is like technically, mini or mini tour or otherwise like your fourth tour coming mm-hmm. up like even in general like who got behind like who got behind the these these ideas to tour to these places and set up these panels and performances like like who helped push the wake up the world tour to fruition or the divestment tour in europe to fruition in terms of like funding booking like what obstacles were there what were the naysayers totally the wake up the world tour was basically everybody that was on the tour when I was fighting the pipeline, um, I've, I met a lot of hip-hop artists there, and we became really close. And, you know, and it makes sense. I mean, at Standing Rock, there was hip-hop. Typically, when you go to places where there's resistance and there's struggle, you will probably hear some hip-hop. You know what I mean? So hip-hop was naturally there because hip-hop was birthed out of the resistance. You know what I mean? So for us, it was like, a really natural thing and a lot of us just so happen to be rappers as well as water protectors and we're like you know what let's take this on tour so the way of the world tour you know that was us finding our our, our contacts and and making it happen like oh i got a contact in in um arcada you know what i mean i got a contact in san francisco i got a contact in albuquerque and it was like all right let's plug it in let's make it happen and that was like our first like real organized tour that we did independently on our own which was like dope because you know that 
we know we can do that. We know what we're capable of. Mm. And then the Europe tour that came along and that was both of these tours. Um, both of the Europe tours are activists from activists and organizers who are involved in both the music and the, and the like political, um, activism scene in Europe. Um, heard about what we were doing and they invited us along. So we're lucky to have people out there. So they're essentially like our booking people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're inviting us to like, okay, we're playing shows in Europe at occupation sites. We're playing shows at regular venues. You know what I mean? We're playing we're playing all kinds of different um venues and settings. So it's cool, but it's it's cool because they heard about our story and they knew, you know what I mean? Another an, one of the one of the rappers that I and activists that I've been like rolling with, a good friend of mine is his name is Natani Means, and he already has like within the you know, within the resistance movement, he already has a a a, a he already has a name and he invited me a lot, you know what I mean? He brought me along because he believes in what I do. So that was really cool to to, you know, to connect with him. Uh, shout outs to him. And then, um, yeah, I mean, they're just, he introduced me to all these different organizers out in Europe and now they're hitting us up and, and bringing us out there. So it feels real good to be able to go out there again. This is my second European tour of, of this year. And, um, the love water, not oil tour that was all honor the earth and a good friend of mine who I also fought the pipeline uh, with, um, Charlie Thayer, he invited me on there too. And he is also an incredible organizer. And he has been, um, man, my man Charlie, he does his thing, man. He, he's, he's, he's super educated and he's super organized and he's really blunt and will and will just like, he'll, he'll get involved with any action as long as it makes sense. And he, you know, he, He's in your face with it, you know what I mean? And that's mm. that's that's what we need as far as activism. But he was there fighting the pipeline the whole time and he invited me to the to the Love Water Not Oil tour and I was with Winona LaDuke and it was like an, an incredible honor to to be able to like tour with her and you know, she she treats you like like an auntie, you know what I mean? Like we're on tour and she's like family, you know what I mean? Like like just her and 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 her her history and her resilience was was amazing. Nako headlined um, the shows, and it was cool to see him like perform. And you know he's like he's like blowing up and getting famous and whatnot. So you know just to see just to see so many different people. Maria came out and played a couple of the shows. Maria Issa, she's out here killing it on Shout out Maria Issa. She's killing it, man, killing it like on the on the music. Um, you know when I talk about like bringing bringing in my. Um, like bringing in my roots into like my music and and incorporating like like the traditional Puerto Rican and and you know like the the different um like folkloric musics from from like our culture you know what i mean like she's someone who who's found that intersection way early in the game and she does it so comfortably you know what i mean so shout outs to her you know like doing her thing and also on the on the on the activism tip too she's like out here fighting for for some really dope shit like to see her organizing and and bringing people together and like she recently brought out 
um, you know, Oscar, Oscar Lopez, who was a political prisoner for 35 years yeah. in Puerto Rico and he fought for the liberation yeah. of, of Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico's like independence, you know what I mean? She like brought him up here and it was like an incredible honor to, to like, to speak with him and get advice from him, you know what I mean? Because, mm. you know, like, I never thought, I never thought it would be like this, but right now it's, I'm, I'm in a good place and it's about, you know, fighting. The world is in a shitty fucking place. Mm. It really is. But, you know, if I, if I die today, I die knowing that I fought for something honorable and that's, and that, that, that gives me, you know, that gives me a good feeling. So, you know, continue on with the fight. I'm going to die fighting. There you go. Mm-hmm. These tours that, that have this activism tied to them, did you notice how they were received differently in different places? For me, it was different because like here, I could book a show and it could be just, a, there could be a theme to the show. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it might not have anything to do with anything political yeah. and, and, and no activism at all. And it was cool to go, go to places. Um, some, of the, some of the people that came out were more interested in, in learning about what we were doing on an activist level. And then some people were like, were like more interested in the music and hearing resistance music. Um, the last tour, tour we went on was more about the activism. So we saw a lot of people that came out for like what we did. So we, we did a lot of speaking engagements. We yeah. did a lot of... Um, uh, panel discussions, press conferences. Like I said, we spoke at the UN. Um, so a lot of it had to do with uh, with, with speaking. Um, and then the organizers of the of the first European tour that we went on, they were like, "Look, we heard about your music, and we heard we listened to it, and we're like, all right, we need to get you guys on some concerts. We're already connected with people." who can get you on some concerts. And I'm like, all right, dope, let's do that. So um, a portion of the, you know, the way they received it in Europe, like a portion of audiences, you know? Yeah. mm -hmm, Yeah. A portion of, uh, of the, of the crowd was like completely expecting just a panel discussion. And then we'd be at like a venue too. Um, And it was like, all right, it's time for the, it's time for the hip hop show. And then it would be like, all right, bars open uh, there's a stage, you know, we have, we have everything set up. There's a DJ, there's other local acts from different parts of, of, of Europe or whatever. And it would be like a full on hip hop show. And a lot of the, a lot of the audience had no idea that we were going to be rapping too, and immediately became fans. And that was super dope to experience because we didn't, we went out there, we, we didn't get we didn't get paid for, for what we did because we don't do this for the money. Although if I do get asked to do speaking engagements, I do have like a, a rate that I'm going by going for like now because oh, sure. I'm like, yeah. I got to pay my rent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What were the relationships that you were building on these tours from the audience to uh, the artists that you're touring with? You know, what was that emotional connection? There was a, I mean, there was so many different levels of, uh, of connections and like disconnect too i would say like for example uh the cultural appropriation of indigenous culture in europe is pretty fucking bad it's bad like people are trying to like engage and and um host their own spiritual ceremonies that are like based off of ours highly offensive very very offensive uh sun dances sweat lodges water ceremonies and they're like picking like different pieces of different indigenous people's like uh uh spiritualities and 
kind of like clumping them together and doing their own like ceremonies and they they would invite us into those and we're like no like yo if you don't understand the protocol the spiritual protocol you know what i mean to to these and you don't understand why you're not supposed to be doing them i don't want anything to do with that like and i'm not even sorry about it like i'm not apologizing you need to like figure that shit out so there's a lot of cultural appropriation but then there was also a lot of people who like a lot of activists who came and fought um in solidarity with our movements here who are like really well-trained activists like there that i met out there and they're like super dope like like so like to see how hard they're working to change like fighting for the environment fighting for you know social justice to see that was really dope and it was really inspiring too because it makes me want to get more organized you know it makes me Mm. want to like like damn like i can see i can use that as a model i mean i'm 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 talking about people who are like who are like really organizing organizing some dope shit and i'm coming from that too you know but to see that on a global level was really cool so i made a lot of connections in that way you know just seeing like what are the techniques that are used what do we already share in common excuse me, what we already share in common, you know, like our different practices. It's very eye-opening, isn't it, when you get out of the country? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Organizing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, it was different. For for us, it was like, um, there's like, uh, the processes are just different. You know what I mean? For us, we would be like, all right, we're going to organize and we're going to... um we're gonna like organize and we're gonna do this action and and, and, you know we go and we do it and it's successful and we make an impact and when we're done we're like we kick it later and we just like chilling and it's not formal and we like talk about it and that's how we reflect and and they're like more into like all right there's a whole protocol and like there's like a a debriefing at the end you know what i mean and we're like oh debriefing yeah that's cool you know what i'm saying that's that's different though because usually the way we end an action and we're just chill like we still reflect on it we just don't do it in such a like formal setting so there's like different practices but also a lot of very similar practices i I liked how they use a lot of art with their activism too um which is here too i mean like we have all different levels of activism here um you know i'm i'm speaking on my own experience you know what i mean i know there's a lot of art and activism that happens here too you know what i mean but uh there it was cool to see like when i was in italy you know we went and we 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 mobbed up to one of the banks that's funding the 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 pipeline and we mobbed up there on bikes and there was probably like 150 of us on bikes or something no maybe like 100 yeah like 100 of us like on bikes and we mobbed up and they they had paint rollers and right on the sidewalk they wrote divest dapple in paint rollers like boom and just tagged the fuck out of it like on the sidewalk i'm like damn like like we we do actions here but they're they're so different and they're and it says it says something about like their policing and whatnot because we wouldn't have been able to get away with something like that here because the the police repression here is way worse than it is in europe so they their organizing is different they can just go into the i got i i got a picture of me being dragged out of uh, did you see that picture yeah. i'm getting dragged it looks funny they're like you, they're like don't smile like like make a real like serious you look, you face look like the dude on the airplane i'm like getting dragged out of the 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 swiss bank right by the police and they simply just took us and set us outside you know what i mean here if that were 
you know, if that were the police here, they, they're liable to fuck you up, put you in handcuffs, all kinds of shit. And they didn't do that. So the policing is not as, it's not as, you know, it's not as severe as far as like the police repression goes, you know, um, so they're organizing like the way they organize. They don't have to worry as much about like police uh, fucking shit up. And also, I've seen I've seen protests where like they I mean, they're throwing they're they're throwing stones at the cops and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like if that shit goes down here, you know, the me- the media tears that shit up. The media, you know, like if something does the small if someone does something wrong on our end, on the protesters end. And the media picks that up, man. That shit gets that twisted the around. The whole movement's violent now. Yeah, the whole movement's person. bad. But yeah. there, man, there's you know. So the organizing is different. But I like seeing. I like seeing the way they organize. It's, it's cool, you know. Um, and 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 to connect with people and knowing that they have struggles too, you know, like that, like that connection that I made with so many different people and knowing that oh fuck, poverty really does exist in Europe and this whole. Um, this whole notion of Europe being uh, a place of like wealth was completely shattered when I went to Europe because I I just thought like Eiffel Tower, Roman Colosseum, wine, cheese. You know what I mean? That's that's my that's my idea of what it was. And I went there with the open mind and and I went to the south of Italy and it was like tons of poverty. I really connected with the people in Naples. Um, and I'm like, holy shit, like Naples has the highest unemployment rate in all of Europe. You know what I mean? So there's like definitely a real struggle there. So there, there is like c- class privilege. You know what I mean? Um, going there and knowing that not everybody's white. I mean, there was so many different immigrant populations, refugee populations. When I was in Brussels, for example, we, um, man, we connected, we connected with some really cool people out there, man. I, man, I love Brussels. I really want to go back to Brussels. Um, but we performed at this anti-Trump rally. We went out like, hell yeah, fucking anti-Trump rally. We performed and then they invited us to lead the march. And there was like 12, there was 12,000 people there. It was huge. You know, and so we were basically like, it was cool, man. It was cool to see there was a lot of solidarity. You know, a lot of people understood that that the movements are essentially the same. They got pipelines they're fighting out there. You know what I mean? I was at a panel and this one woman was talking about this pipeline she fought in in um in Italy. I forgot the name of the area. Um but they fought a pipeline similar similar to to Dapple and all of these different phases she went through and she was talking about I was like I'm looking in the mirror right yeah. now mm. I'm this is the same thing so there was definitely like with people who who lost fights too uh, and that are in current like struggles there was a lot of of you know connectedness that I felt from the people there, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was there and it was it was cool to see that and experience that. Yeah, that's powerful how we can look at a map and just see the geography of where countries are, what cities are in these countries. Mm-hmm. And even draw a line from Minneapolis to Brussels or Naples. Mm-hmm. But just in that single image, which is powerful enough to know that there's a whole world out there, that what you said about like you're looking in the mirror with that woman, I mean, <laughs> Like you, like you say, you couldn't believe you did that. I, that journey is like, 
I, I'm I would love to imagine that possibility for anyone, you know. So I never thought I would feel have that feeling of feeling like I'm looking at a reflection of myself when I was looking at a white lady. <laughs> <laughs> But I saw it though. I was like, yeah, "Fuck, you went through real. it all with the politicians, the Italian politicians, and the cops, yeah. and, the, and and the repression, and all of that." I'm like, "Holy shit! Like, damn, we, you know, we're we're very similar." And and that's and that's something to take note of. That like like there are so many different forces out here trying to separate us, but we are all very very similar. We're all you know we all come from a very similar place on a foundational level. You know what I mean? And we need to highlight that a lot more as we continue to move forward because, you know, we can't, I mean, we got to break down these systems. How are we going to break down these systems? We don't want to be, we don't want to be stuck in our differences, you know? So it's like, we got to, we got to find a common ground. Some shit. (laughs) The fucking world burn up. Just, just talking about the music uh, from all the things we have discussed too. So for instance, <clears throat> All right, like her, right yes. on the homecoming album. Yes. Okay, you know, I'll just say like, rappers don't rap about certain things, mm-hmm. right? Rappers don't rap about being queer. They don't rap about being gay. <laughs> rappers don't rap about being misogynist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? And then you have the line in the song "Like Her" off your homecoming EP. Even that line, quote unquote, trying to navigate and unlearn, it gets tricky. And I, I didn't recite it. And even close to how he does it. Oh, yeah, He's got yeah. hella rhythm to it. But, you know, that even that line, trying to navigate and unlearn, it gets tricky. Those are powerful lyrics. And, you know, how are you using that self-awareness to grow as an artist and to also change the hip-hop culture? Yeah, of course. Um, so for me, it's it's important that I understand where my oppression comes from where okay i'm oppressed right i'm a person of color right i'm i come from a marginalized community i I grew up in poverty all of this you know what i mean i get that and i understand that and i know i found the root of 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 that problem and now i'm like trying to attack that i'm trying to Mm. target that and i'm trying to attack that right and then it's also equally as important especially if we're talking about equity you know, in communities, it's also important to understand where my privilege is, you know what I mean? As somebody from, oh, I have the citizenship of the United States. That right there, just by being an American citizen, and I learned a lot about this while I was um, um, traveling, just by having that um, is a huge privilege. Just by me being a man, I have that male privilege, you know what I mean? So now... Since I'm demanding that these other forces that are oppressing me and my communities, I'm demanding that they dismantle that system and that 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 they unlearn this this uh you know they unlearn this this corruption, this oppression that they continue to inflict on other people in order for them to do that, you know what I mean. They have, they have to deconstruct that. They have to unlearn that. So now I'm thinking about myself and how my own privilege works and what are the steps I need to take to, to unlearn that. How do I unlearn the patriarchy that I've learned? How do I unlearn, you know, the, the misogyny that I've picked up 
growing up that's inherent. It's there. It exists. And for me, a song like Like Her is is me acknowledging that and me actually trying to um, um, not it's it's me trying to dismantle that. It's my my it's it's me attempting to dismantle that through song first, of course. But then I have to show I have to show it throughout these actions. You know what I mean? Now I have to I have to hold other men accountable. You know what I mean? Like I can't just do a song and talk about it. Now I have to like, oh, when I see misogyny, I need to check that shit. And that's that happened. That happened all throughout like the like the Wake Up the World tour even. You know what I'm saying? Like like we we noticed a lot and we're like, you know what? We need to we need to check that. Another thing it's important to understand is that that song was meant to to honor our women and that's what we've done through you know, from from being like at Standing Rock, it's really important to note. And I try, you know, I should have mentioned. I usually mention this right at the beginning, but the Standing Rock fight against the pipeline that was started by four women. It was led by four women. Our people come from a matriarch society. You know what I mean? patriarchy was introduced to and enforced upon our people through the process of colonization you know what i mean so this and and much of that is rooted in white supremacy you know what i mean so that you know me making a song about honoring our women is going back to our traditional ways in a sense because the reason why okay you know many people are fighting for equality and I fight for equity and I fight for, for, you know, for, for women in indigenous communities. They were the ones to make the decisions. They were, they are the ones we look to for leadership and for, and the reason for that is because but yeah, so like honoring our women, going back to honoring our women is something that that we're doing. Like the patriarchy is such a is such a westernized, colonized like concept. So for me, learning my traditional values, I am breaking down the patriarchy. You know what I mean? And we understand like we we don't in in many indigenous communities we don't look at like it's not not all of the roles are the same and not all of the roles are equal and. Um, but they have never been to, um, anyone's like burden. It's not to burden any other, anyone else. We just know that like women, since they are life givers, you know what I mean? We believe that, that women are more, uh, connected spiritually, you know what I mean? So we go to women to, to make the decisions, you know what I mean? Um, so the, the, the roles in our in you know in our societies you know they're not they're not completely equal but at the same time there's a mutual understood respect and we're trying to we're trying to go back to that and and for for us it's always been honoring our women cuz our women are the you know our women are warriors our women are the ones even like i said at, at standing rock the very first ones to initiate that fight you know what i mean so you know that's that's a part of that's a part of that song and 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 what that's all about. You know what I mean? We need to we need to spend more time 
honoring our women? How do we honor our women? Well, if you're a show promoter, then maybe book some women. You know what I mean? I see a lot. I see a ton of, of promoters in Minneapolis even who it's like you see the lineup and it's like still all men. You know what I mean? And if we want to see something different, I mean, imagine. Uh, shout out to Keezy. Shout out to Keezy. She's my, this, my favorite DJ. You know what I mean? Like if you see a, if you see a lineup and it's all men and then if you see, you know, if you see a lineup that's all white people, people are going to say something about that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like now it's like, all right, we need, we need to get it to a point where we hold, we, we hold people accountable and we actually tell them like, hey, you need to put some women like just a, 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 a recent show that, that, that I booked or that I was, I was booked for. I looked at the lineup. I'm like, there's no women. And I told, I told the, the, the promoter, I'm like, you need some women on this lineup. You know what I mean? And now he's putting some women on there, but it's like, like, it's time for us to get out of our comfort zones and make other people feel uncomfortable and actually say something about that. And that extends into the trans, you know, the trans community that extends to, you know, people who are, who are not uh, gender conforming. You know what I'm saying? We need to bring more, more of these people into, into our, our events, you know, our events are there for, for, for us to, to express ourselves freely and to be free. It's all about freedom. To be able to dance is to be free. To be able to sing, to be able to rap is to be free. You know what I mean? But if we're excluding certain groups, then we're doing a disservice. So for me, it's like, okay, now how do we, how do we combat that? Well, let's, let's, let's go ahead and start to, to get out of our, you know, get out of our comfort zones and actually attack that. You know what I mean? And, and, really take action and do something about that you know can you speak a little bit more just for you how music is that that healing component mm-hmm. i mean music is therapy music is medicine man when i sit down like music has the power to be able to shift someone's mood music has a power to take an idea and and you know open someone up you know so just listening and being a part of, of good music, you know, that's, that's always, that's always good. Even if it's just instrumental, you know what I mean? Like you can, you can take certain chords and create different moods, you know what I mean? And that can affect people. And so for me, that's always, that's always there. Even playing it, even playing the drum, you know what I mean? When I, when I play bomba and I play the hand drums, you know what I mean? I'm like zoned out for however long and, I'm healing. I'm not only when I'm playing the drum, I'm not only healing just from hearing like good music and getting better at playing a drum. I'm also like, you know, the blood's flowing. You know what I mean? It's movement when I'm dancing. You know what I mean? It's movement. The blood continues to flow and and you're breathing and you're feeling so connected. It's a spiritual connection too. You know, I feel like I'm channeling my ancestors, you know, like I, we're like when we make music, we are echoing our ancestors. You know what I mean? And it's like which 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 ancestors do you wanna do you wanna echo? You know what I mean? And I'm following the footsteps of I'm trying to follow in the footsteps of 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 my ancestry and 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 the survivors and the ones that that took that time to really like fight so I could be alive. You know what I mean? I wanna yeah. I wanna sing their words. I want to I want to play their rhythms, the rhythms that they were playing in Puerto Rico 500 years ago. I want to play those rhythms. I want to sing those words, you know what I mean? And hearing it too, you know, like just seeing it 
when I was in Puerto Rico recently for, for Maria and Muja's wedding, we went and we saw Bomba live one night and it was so amazing like to see it. I'm like, man, I got to get back home and get on my shit because like I want to get better at it. You know what I mean? And it was, it was really inspirational to like see it. So like for me, a lot of it has to do with the live performances, man, the live, it's so raw, you know, like to see a live performance is like, is like so raw and it's in your face and it's there and it's real, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's what I like to see. So seeing the live shows, Mm. seeing how, how people interact with the crowd and, you know, you know, that's, that, that gives me a good feeling, you know, and it's healing. You know, the world as it is, as we've, clearly it's fucked up world we're in and it's a beautiful world we're in, but how do you, um, personally, how do you balance cynicism and hope? Um, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's hard because it feels like the world is burning. It literally is burning. I mean, there's like wildfires everywhere and shit, you know, but to find balance, you know, that's when, that's when I, I really start to tap into my spiritual side a little bit more. That's when I sing those prayer songs. I've been singing a lot of prayer songs. You know, I didn't really understand the the power of, of prayer. I didn't even really believe in the power of prayer that much, like until I went to Standing Rock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I went to ceremony and I went to sweat lodge, you know, and like to understand like what prayer does to proclaim your prayer. What are you doing when you pray anyway? You know what I'm saying? Like you're literally putting out energy into the into the universe. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're putting out energy, you know? And for me, finding that balance is is knowing that you know, like my ancestors are, are, are here with me. I I feel the strength of my ancestors, you know, um, I feel them with me, you know, and you know, there's, and just fighting, man, like fighting. Okay. You know, and I mentioned this before, like if, if we die, if we die today, if we all just died, right. And then we looked at what we did in life you know, how would we, how would we reflect on, on that? How would you look at yourself? You know what I mean? And for me, just knowing that I died fighting, that gives me like, okay, I get it. This, this, this world might, we might get swallowed. You know what I mean? The the earth is going to renew herself and it will get rid of the virus, which is humans, right? Right. It could, we could potentially be wiped out if we don't get our shit together, but as long as I was on the right side and I was really pushing and fighting for something good in this earth, then I know that I die with honor. That's honorable. Like, I, I think about honor a lot. You know, what's honorable? And for me, it's like, and I'm just, I'm just going to fight. As long as I know that there's something wrong happening, I'm going to continue to fight. And that's what... That's what gives me balance, you know what I mean, is knowing that I'm fighting. I mean, if we're if we're gonna if we wanna save the world, we gotta be like a more diverse version of the X-Men. Hey. Let's you, figure out what that is. You know what I'm saying? Let's figure out that we that have is. superpowers. Yeah. Like people have power like we have power. We have this power. You know what I mean? Like 
if if one person can have such an impact on the world, somebody like, you know, like Fela Kuti or or someone like Malcolm X or someone like Leonard Peltier, you know what I mean? Like you have this power to really change, you know what I'm saying? Like if we tap, we can tap into that. I'm ready to tap into that, you know what I mean? That is worth fighting for. The saving saving the world and saving our environment and and like I don't want to I don't want to be in I don't want to be a part of the destruction of it. Imagine like I don't know what happens when when we die. This is this gets pretty philosophical, but I don't know what happens when we die. I don't know what like after we pass what 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 happens. You know what I mean? But but going through so much like um going through so much uh uh so many different changes with becoming spiritual, you know what I mean? I felt the spirits I felt, you know, I'm like, all right, if I'm going into the spirit world, man, I I know within myself I have to I have to put up a real fight. I have to I have to you know, like my ancestors, you know, I'm thinking about also the 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 next generations. You know what I mean? There's children, you know, there's kids. Am I going to have kids of my own? I don't know, probably not, right? But there's still children right now that exist. There are children being birthed every single day. We're all part of the same human family. So I'm like, all right, how am I going to... Like, I have to try my best to set up a world for the young people. You know what I mean? So I'm like, the youth, I continue to go back to the youth. They are the foundation. They are the ones who are going to be the caretakers of this earth when we're gone. You know what I mean? So I have to do everything in my power to to help set that up. You know, me actually doing something to promote that, me actually doing something out in my community to like contribute to that, that gives me so much balance. You know what I mean? Knowing yeah. that I'm fighting for something good. What are other ways that you're looking inward? Like what is that emotionally... I guess what what does that journey kind of feel like and and what is that taking shape like now? Um, you know, at first it's a bit unsettling, you know, like right away, like when I started to learn that I have like a set of privileges as a man, it's like almost like almost like I wanted to defend it or something, you know what I mean? Like defend myself, like, wait a second. No, no, you know, this is why I'm, I'm oppressed. No, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's really a matter of taking a step back and just sitting the fuck down and, and listening to, to people who are not men in my community and listening to their narratives and their stories with an open mind. Empathy is really all, you know, empathy is so, is such an important word here, you know. Of course, I'm not ever going to understand the struggle of a trans person. I'm not going to understand, you know, the the struggle of a a woman or, or someone who is, you know, who doesn't conform to the gender binary, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to understand that, but I... I've lived, I've lived in the struggle, you know, so, and I know what it's like to be discriminated against, you know what I mean? So for me, you know, it's, it's a matter of 
of of empathizing and beginning to empathizing uh, to empathize, you know, um, with these different communities because you know my communities felt that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just kind of disgusted in a lot of different ways, you know. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, holy fuck, man, I like I'm so I have so much, you know what I mean? I'm so I'm so I'm so privileged on so many different levels, you know. I could walk I could walk this I could walk down the street at night without the fear of being raped, you know what I mean? Like I I have I have that, you know? Um you know, like even just even just class privilege, like I said, I mean, I grew up I grew up under the poverty line, but I grew up in Minneapolis. You know, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, uh, and then just seeing like parts of my, uh, of my own male privilege that I've like broke down and like that I'm beginning to understand a little bit better, but to see other, to see other people, other men, like not understand that can be frustrating and try to explain that can be frustrating, you know? Um, but that's, that's nothing, you know what I mean? Like that ain't, that's, that frustration like that's those are the feelings you know what I mean you know like that ain't shit like that ain't shit so I'm like ready to like take that on more and like you know I have to go out of my way to to educate other privileged men you know men white men on the other hand you know kind of I'm kind of like as far as racism I'm tired of explaining racism but I have to I have to do I I feel like I have a legit, you know, responsibility to to educate men on their responsibility or uh, excuse me, edu- I have a responsibility to educate men on their privilege and why it's prevalent, why it exists and why we benefit from it, you know? And yeah, I need to just take that on. You know what I mean? I can't expect I can't expect other people who who benefit from whatever social group they come from. You know what I mean? I like I can't expect them to make changes if I don't make those same changes myself. You know what I mean? So, you know, now is the time. You know, as an artist, like if you want to talk about that exhaustion of having to explain racism to white audience, it's draining. Yeah, it's definitely draining. It's it's super draining. So I don't I don't feel like I need to do that. So. You know, when it comes to other issues involving me and my own privilege, I have that responsibility. Right. You know, I have that responsibility to undo something that I benefit from, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can't come up, I can't like, I can't just come up to any, to any like, you know, to any woman. I can't just be like, yo, like, like why is it like this? You know what I mean? It's like, no, there's books. There's plenty of books. There's yeah, plenty yep. of information, you know, and I can get that. So it's time for me to take that responsibility. Time time for me to take that responsibility and continue to hold other men accountable and, and really break that down. And even after we're doing a good job or the best job we can do is deconstructing the misogyny and this and that, you know, I just know like <clears> – <throat> We we can do that, but we can also also stay quiet, even though we've evolved and let it be revealed a little more organically instead of saying, I'm a male feminist. I'm not a misogynist. Just like when 
people say, I'm not a racist. If, even if they're doing the good work to prove that like they're with us, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do you see that? I mean, I don't really, I don't really think like, like to gain like a label, like labeling. I don't know. I try, I try not to fit under any kind of label. I just want to, I really just want to do good for my community and, and learn what that means. Learn what the root causes of why people are oppressed, you know, and, and work to do something, um, you know, work at fixing that, helping fix that, you know, um, that's what I want to do. I don't really label myself. I, I try not to label myself. Um, although I've, I've, I guess I've gotten some labels. I mean, a water protector, you know, I've used that a lot, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to fight for what's good in the end, you know? Well, for the listeners out there, you want to let everybody know, um, how they can follow you online social media what else, you know if you want to tell us about anything else you got going up obviously you know he's taking off for europe so but in the meantime you can still listen to his eps and uh all of that so where, where can we find you yeah you can find me at um you could check out my music on on itunes you just search two for one um Bandcamp or pretty much any of like the major online music distributors my music is available you can if you don't got the money for it my my music is available for streaming on my soundcloud page so uh, catch me on soundcloud and also there's a lot of updates that i have on my social media my my twitter and and uh instagram and my facebook page as well um you can get updates there and it's all two for one so just Type in two for one and you'll find me. That's T-U-F-A-W-O-N um, for for booking. If you wanted to book me or contact me uh, via email, it's uh, two for one at gmail.com. We want to thank everyone again for tuning in. Um, if you subscribed on iTunes, we really appreciate it. If you haven't, go to iTunes and subscribe. If you like the show, rate it, review it. We appreciate that. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Weapon of Choice Podcast. And on Twitter, you can follow us at at Weapon Choice Pod. Also, if you want to email us, um, Weapon of Choice Fans at gmail.com. That's Weapon of Choice Fans at gmail.com. For those artists listening, we want to hear about what your weapon of choice is. And for everybody listening, we want to hear what art are you taking in that's helping you recharge. So send those to the Weapon of Choice Fans at gmail.com. Today's featured piece is by Tufawan. It's called Like Her. It is amazing. Let's play it. Hey. You know that feeling you get when you see someone do something so amazing that you want to go home and better yourself? Well, that's how I feel right now. And here's why. Sings on her guitar and dances like she's a star Her silhouette from afar Or maybe it's a mirage Maybe it's a collage of everything she's acquired In her life, in her thoughts I sit here and just admire I wanna be just like her Goddess 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 Goddess, I'm sipping guava goddess What you eat half of a watermelon Pondering on how we can possibly dodge an Armageddon Peace, love, music, art Love, 
music, art, peace, love, music, sex. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Rafa. Forgot your first name when I saw you. For the first time, hard times, it was awesome. Short-term memory loss, it's not a problem. More like a different process. I remember your face, though. Style so tasteful and not wasteful. I remember you could take a whole J to the face. I remember you would put me in my place when I say something that wasn't quite tasteful. And now I'm grateful. And at first I was salty as hell, but the way you breaking it down, graceful, and you get straight to it. Currently unlearning the patriarchal ideals I've gathered throughout the years. They're probably based on fear, probably based on bullcrap that you don't need to hear. I need to just do the knowledge and look up inside the mirror. If I wish you see equality within this world, I need to take the time to study up on what affects women and girls. I need to hold my brothers accountable for what they be spewing on a daily and doing to the ladies. But why to say lady? Is that some type of label that I shouldn't be saying? I need to question everything, but if I ask too many questions, you can dismiss me. Trying to navigate and unlearn, this can be tricky. Trying to navigate through this earth, it gets sticky. Trying to navigate through this earth, it gets sticky. Trying to navigate through this earth, it gets sticky. Trying to navigate through this earth, it gets sticky. It shouldn't be the responsibility of our women to break down something that we created. I'm just saying. It shouldn't be the responsibility of our women to break down something that we created. I'm just saying. She sings on her guitar and dances like she's a star. Her silhouette from afar. Or maybe it's a mirage. Maybe it's a collage of everything she's acquired in her life and her thoughts. I sit here and just admire. I want to be just like her. Goddess. 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 I'm sipping guava goddess while eating half of a watermelon Pondering on how we can possibly dive in Armageddon Peace, love, music, art Peace, love, music, art Peace, love, music, healthy sex She a jingle dress dancer, never be a mascot Not your mascot, she open up her laptop Illustrator, navigator, invigorating when she's on a turntable, crossfading, playing all the favorites. Library and nutritionist slash feminist, director and choreographer plus activist, humanitarian boss of her own staff and hit three point shot WNBA championship. Yes, I want to be just like her. Train every day, she's an MMA striker. Pull up, I want to push a whip just like her, just like her. On her guitar and dances like she's a star Her silhouette from afar Or maybe it's a mirage Maybe it's a collage of everything she's acquired In her life and her thoughts I sit here and just admire I wanna be just like her Goddess 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 Goddess, Goddess.